This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be talking about what I needed to know as a new Christian. This was a lesson I gave a couple of weeks ago, and I know we have a slightly different audience on our podcast than we do maybe on our YouTube channel, and I just wanted to share these uh, three thoughts, three main thoughts that I had when I gave this lesson, uh, what I wish I knew when I became uh, a Christian. And I'm going to begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Do you not know that all uh, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so number one from that text, what I wish I had known or at least had reinforced to me as a new Christian was that I will need to discipline myself, that it's a joyous occasion and Scripture teaches that those who join Christ, become one with Christ, are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. But at the same time, that does not um, release us of our responsibility to exercise this discipline that we read about all over the New Testament. So receiving God's grace through Christ does not instantly make me more disciplined than I was before. I need to have this devotion. I need to have this commitment if I'm going to grow in my new faith, in knowledge, and in my walk with Christ, um, if I'm going to produce fruit. James chapter 1, verses 21 and 23. You might hear some tapping. That's just me clicking around on my keyboard here to get to some passages. I'm reading from my computer here. James one twenty one. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, and be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forget what he was like. So, and then James goes on to say, the one who's not a forgetful hearer will be blessed in, in what he does as a doer of, of the word. And he's speaking to Christians, right? He's speaking to people who know, who, who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, and yet he is saying, you need to be a doer here. Don't just be content with listening and having this kind of academic knowledge. You've got to, you've got to get to work and you've got to grow if you're going to bear fruit for, for God. And Jesus will say the same thing in Luke 8.15 in, in that parable of the sower, that at least that account of the parable of the sower. He describes the good soil or the good heart who receives the word of God as, as one who bears fruit with patience or one who bears fruit with perseverance. And so he's talking about what his apostles and other inspired writers were talking about. He's talking about serving God patiently despite the obstacles that are going to arise in our in our lives from you know people at work friends at school you know even teachers family you know our own shortcomings that that will crop up as we as James says look into the 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 law of God 
uh, as, as a mirror and those things are exposed. We have to acknowledge them and put them aside and repent continually. We have to exercise self-control. We have to have that discipline. And we must recognize our problems in order to work on them, right? Because there's lots of things that are going to have to change over time. It's it's a process and it's just the beginning. And so I wish I knew that when I became a new Christian. It's it's a joyous time. It's a time of celebration. And it's such a relief to be in fellowship with, with God and, and have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But at the same time, um, that comes with responsibilities, tremendous responsibilities of of self-control and, and discipline. Paul says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Ephesians 4.28. So that's just one example of something that's going to have to change, right? Maybe maybe you were that kind of person before. You can't be that. You, you can't do that anymore, right? We have to learn to, in this case, Paul says, do something useful with our own hands. And so that's going to take that that's a big life change that's a big life a paradigm shift right you um that's we got to change our way of thinking and you know maybe we had to find find work to do maybe if we have been living dishonestly mooching off of others and taking advantage of others uh now that's a that's a big paradigm shift right we got to find our our own ways and means in life paul will say also in titus 3:14 let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And so I read that to emphasize the point. Again, it's something we have to learn how to do. Let our people learn to devote themselves. So it's one thing to make the decision and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. But then it's another thing to follow through and to actually put in the time and effort to learn. To learn how through study and, and then application of what we find in, in the Word of God. We're imperfect. We don't know everything, and so we've got to work at it. We've got we've got to learn. You know, just saying the church consists of imperfect people, I believe, is another way of saying we have a job to do, and that job is is on ourselves and and on others. But first, we you know we begin with ourselves, and God promises to work in us, but only in so far as we are willing to read and submit to His Word. We want to be remade into the image of Christ, and we will be, and he promises to do that, conform us to his image. But the way in which he he does that, uh, you know, if, if Jesus Christ is the mold that we're trying to pour ourselves into so that we, we fit his mold and his image, the way that we pour ourselves into that mold is by submitting to his word, by, by looking into his Bible and reading for ourselves and seeing who he is and seeing what he taught following his example and as we submit to that with humility we we begin to change we begin to conform to that mold and god is working in us and through us um, by means of his word and so we have to be diligent to draw near to god through his word through prayer and through obedience and i wish i had known that as a new christian you might say well that's so basic of course you know that's you know that's christianity 101 why wouldn't you know that well i just had a lot of misconceptions as a as a new Christian. Um, you know, I, I just, I mean, I, I I think I understood to some extent. Okay, some changes do have to take place, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to be baptized. I knew that I had sin in my life, and I wanted to be free from that sin, and I wanted to be free from guilt. And I thought, you know, when at at that point that okay, I'm I'm fixed. 
And now I'm going to want to, um, uh, rather, I'm not going to want to do those those things anymore that I was so desperately trying to get away from and so desperately needing forgiveness for. Well, it doesn't it doesn't work that way, right? Temptation is still a reality, and 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 you know obstacles still exist, and there could be all sorts of things standing in the way, and the devil is going to be after you, uh, arguably even more so because you know he's not worried about. Everyone else, he's got everyone else, um, but it's those in, in in Christ that he doesn't have, and so he's going to be working to, uh, to 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 fix that. And so we have to be all the more diligent. And I and I just don't think that I knew as a new Christian how diligent I was going to have to be, how serious I needed to take that um, that command to be self controlled. And uh, I needed, a, you know, a, a support structure around me. I needed my brethren more than I realized to encourage me in that regard and to help me in that regard. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, your conclusions must be your own. So number one, exercise self-discipline. Number two, your conclusions have to be your own. Don't put your faith in any one person or commentary or or book. And, you know, I say that with... Uh, some, some caveats, but let me just read Galatians 1 and verse 10 to communicate the point where Paul says, Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And so we know, even if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that Paul did a number of things to make himself more palatable to different cultures, Jews and Gentiles, so that he would, you know, take obstacles out of the way um, of of his preaching to particular groups of people, you know. So, in, you know, in one instance, he has uh, Timothy circumcised, to, to, you know, to make him more palatable to to Jews and, and get him an audience that way. Uh, you know, and he does that knowing that that has nothing to do with salvation, but at the same time, that was a big sacrifice for Timothy on that occasion to be willing to do that um, to uh, maybe garner a little more favor with an audience. Um, but my point is, is that even though Paul was willing to do those things and Timothy was willing to do those things, ultimately it was in the interest of the gospel and serving God's cause, right? He says, as he says here, I, if I'm seeking ultimately to please men, I should not be a servant of, of Christ. And so, we have to look to ultimately to God's word for guidance. We can, you know, seek the counsel of others, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But we don't want to just, uh, you know, imitate or copy what just what we've heard without vetting it through the Scripture. You'll grow much quicker and stand firmer in your faith if you read and understand and obey God's word for yourself. That's all I'm saying. And if you look at um, Paul's words in Colossians 2 and, and verse 7, um, he mentions how the, the Colossians were taught. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2. He gives a picture there of stability and growth, you know, using a figure that, you know, any Bible reader is going to be familiar with that of a, of a tree, a strong tree, like in Psalm 1, who's planted by, you know, flowing water and it's, and it's tall and it's fruitful, all, you know, every season. So Paul says in, in Colossians 2, Two and verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Right? So he's saying you, your roots need to go down into Christ. You need to be built up in Christ. And what he means by that is, as he says there, established in the faith. How am I going to do that? Just as you were taught. Right? Abounding in thanksgiving. Right? So that there's being established in the faith, being rooted in Christ, being built up in Christ, and growing in Christ <clears throat> is inseparably linked to the teaching, to the teaching of Christ. And we find that only in the Word of God. So it means a, a, a Christian, the word Christian means one who is an adherent or follower of Christ. Right. So it, my fellowship with God depends upon that, not upon my likeness to other people, to my mom or my dad or my family or my association with a certain party or a certain local church, but my fellowship with God depends upon me following Christ and following His teaching, being like Him. Again, not like other people. And again, that's not to say that there aren't worthy examples that we can look to. You know, Paul will say as much in Philippians chapter 4. And again, I'm not saying, you know, don't ever seek out, you know, someone else's advice or don't ever use someone else as a sounding board. That's that's not the point. My point is, is that, rather, Scripture is teaching us is that ultimate Loyalty and love must be reserved for God alone, right? God has said that he's going to save a certain kind of person, and the kind of person he's going to save is those those who conform to the image of his Son, right? Romans 8, 28 through 30. And so that's who we want to follow, and, and we can only follow him and be changed, transformed, to be more like him through our understanding his teaching for ourselves. And it's it's good to have questions and it's it's good to search and again it's good to talk to other people and to elders and you, you know it but what we have to do ultimately is examine the evidence for ourselves. Our conclusions have to be our own. There's been a lot of folks who who I think Again, they get that in the abstract, but then the first place they go is like Google, and then they become inundated with thoughts of man, and that their faith is undermined by false teaching that they encounter, just floating out there in the ether. And we would, you know, what I wish I knew is, you know, from the from the beginning is, um, the you know those sources can be helpful, but ultimately my my goal and my purpose, I just need to constantly remember that I'm. I'm trying to be more like Christ. My goal is to join him in heaven. Everything else in life is going to revolve around that purpose and goal. To become more like Christ and to join him in heaven. The only way to accomplish those things is to go to the source, his teachings. But whatever, you know, whatever commentaries or whatever person or, you know, books or resources I'm going to use to to help me understand him better. Um, I've, I've got to vet those by his teachings in the in the Bible, and so in, in a similar vein, I have to remember as we teach others that I'm not trying to win people to my cause or over to my church, right? The, and this will, I think, this point helps us understand too that it, it you know it gives us, gets us away from a sectarian kind of attitude and spirit because it because it reminds us okay if I'm ultimately trying to be like Christ and that's and Christ is only going to save those who are 
truly his followers and strive to be like him, the Lord's church is made up of those who are Christ-like, not those who you know, ad- adhere to or who are necessarily joined to a specific local church, but those who have submitted to his will or his plan for salvation. And some of those folks are babes in Christ, and that just means they've only begun the changing process, and some have been doing it for longer. But ultimately, all are seeking to be more like him. And that's how Luke describes Christians in Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. It was the Lord that they were seeking to make known there. It was the Lord that they had to cleave to. It was the Lord that they were learning about. And um, and that has to be our, our focus as well. Okay, number three, last one. Um, you're going to make mistakes, but don't give up. Uh, I wish that I had known that early on. When one becomes a Christian, you know, similar to our first point, it doesn't mean he or she then becomes incapable of sinning. Right? John says in 1 John 1, 1.8, If we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. But we confess our sins. He's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, again, John is talking to Christians, and he's saying you've got to acknowledge the reality of sin in your life, and you've got to remain penitent. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It does need it does need mean that you need to continually repent and pray for forgiveness and resolve to do better. That's part of the transformation process, and God will use His power to help you. He'll provide the way of escape. First Corinthians ten thirteen. Um, he holds back the power of of the enemy. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to to bear, right? And there's no temptation except that which is common to man, right? So when when we fail in sin, it is discouraging. And it's always our fault. Um, and there's a great deal of sorrow and, and, and guilt. But we should at the same time recognize and remember that's what John says is that we need to confess and 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 remember that Jesus is is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? If you look at Psalm 32 and you see David's condition and his discouragement and his sorrow for sin and how he tried to keep it hidden, and he felt the hand of God heavy upon him day and night. He goes on to say in verse 5 that the way out, when I acknowledge my sin to you, you released me from my guilt. And so he knew the way out of that condition was through prayer and repentance. And the same is true now. And and David had confidence that God would forgive him. Right? He begins that psalm in Psalm 32 saying, How blessed is the one whose transgression is is forgiven. Right, And then he goes back in time and he talks about how miserable he was when he was not confessing what he needed to do um so but at the same time he had that confidence right so christians can have the same confidence in christ there is that hope that should we sin and should we repent and confess those sins we will be forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness and we can be um encouraged by that and we can encourage uh, uh other new christians with those words so we don't want to forget we have brothers and sisters in Christ who love us and want to help us and encourage us, but we at the same time have to take the initiative to join ourselves to them as Paul did in Acts chapter 9. So we have to avail ourselves in a sense of the help that's that's there by God's design. So we need to join them, spend time with them, worship with them, be involved in the work of a sound local church. And if you're already a member of a local church, um, think about how your example 
uh, will affect other Christians, especially new Christians, and influence those new Christians. Uh, so I think it's good to evaluate ourselves on these points and remember these three things. We still need to discipline ourselves. We still need um, to have our own faith. Our conclusions have to be our own. And even though we fail, we can't give up. Solomon said, though the righteous fall seven times, he rises again. Right. So we want to be active, involved, not despondent or defeated. You know, there's it's 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 a it's okay to have sorrow for sin. We should be sorry about those things and uh, honest and confessing those things. But then we have to uh, trust in God's promise to forgive us when we repent and when we uh, pray for His forgiveness, and then we move forward. So as we think about these passages, the text that we've seen, and if we see ourselves there, we need to be honest about that. We need to do something about it for the sake of our own souls, and also so that we can be a help to others instead of a hindrance. I appreciate you tuning in.